maybe not too much more than oh hello we're we're on <laughs> oh yeah I'll, I'll edit out the first part don't worry um but yeah no i agree we'll, we'll i'll uh we can make this um you know a pretty pretty good run now i got i gotta go to my sister's uh um, field hockey game is again, so. <laughs> um, we'll, Hope she we'll wins. Give him hell. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, without further ado, welcome to the uh, Minnesota preview edition of the Stoutscast. Um, going down, uh, running down the Minnesota game, doing a quick breakdown, and then maybe just you know making a couple picks for the rest of the Big Ten. Um, so Connor, I'll ask you: Are you uh, are you starting to feel excited about the season starting for real? It's starting to feel real. Yeah, I think I'm kind of where the vast majority of Michigan fans are, which is I'm trying to shove a lot of things out of my mind, everything from COVID to politics to the the more the recent history of Michigan football and just get psyched to see Joe Milton throw the ball far. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's I mean, I, I wouldn't say I have, I don't know. It's, look, we're not going to get into politics here, but yeah, it is, it, it is like, a lot that you have to sort of compartmentalize, but that's sort of just what being a college football fan is because at the end of the day, these kids aren't getting paid to play football. So, you know, there's a lot of compartmentalizing I do on a daily basis um, to be a college football fan. And, uh, you know, don't try to validate it to yourself. Not everything you like has to be morally good. Um, you can just enjoy it and be a big dumb baby. Um, that's that's true. We're, we're advocates of baby brain. And I think you're giving us a good transition here to, to Minnesota because talking about compartmentalizing and not overthinking things, I think both national and the majority, the vast majority of big 10 media only knows one thing about Minnesota, which is that they were, <laughs> they had a good season last year and they returned the only two players that national media could name. So <laughs> <laughs> therefore they must be good again. Right. <laughs> I, I, yep, absolutely. I, I think, you know, a little bit of that, we're not going to go deep into Minnesota season last year, but I think it is fair to point out, you know, they, they absolutely, they had an elite offense, great offense. Probably, you know, I mean, it's not it's, it's not crazy to say this is the best Minnesota team in, like, in modern-ish college football history. I don't, I, I don't really know how far back you'd have to go to find a better Minnesota team than the 2019 team. Um, but I would say, I do think it's fair to say that, you know, first of all, this team didn't even win the division, which, I mean... Um, don't Google how many times Michigan's won their division. That's not important. Um, well, Michigan but, would have won the Big Ten West a couple times at least. I can promise you oh, that. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's that's not crazy to say. Um, but they didn't win the division. They didn't beat Wisconsin. You know, a very, you know, I would say it's a, pr- a pretty beatable Wisconsin team. And they also won. I think I tweeted about this a while ago. I don't want to go back and see, but it was like they won six games by one. They went like six and one in one score games. Which, you know, like, if you really dive into the numbers, like, one-score games are almost always kind of just coin-flip affairs. When you get down to, like, within a touchdown, like, it just really is how the ball bounces. And they got a lot of bounces, especially against some bad teams in, in the early part of their schedule. So, I would just say this Minnesota team is was good last year, but was not a juggernaut. So, Yeah, and it's interesting is that they had a lot of good luck. Um, the season started with them barely sneaking by an FCS team at home, <laughs> um, yes. which not, not an auspicious beginning. I think we were all making fun of them and then things got a lot better, but also like what's interesting is you said they went six and they went six and one in one score games. One of those is one of their two losses, which was the Iowa game. It was actually like, we went into the stats. That was an unlucky loss. So, I mean, you know, they were, they were close to like a hyper lucky 12 and 
one, I think essentially it would have been season. Um, right. Which is like bonkers. That does not, that does happen in CFB usually to power five or group of five teams. It would, than... They were very close to, and I, again, I don't want to value this team, but that first Hoke team that, you know, in 2011 where they just kind of like went on that run and won a ton, a ton of close games. They were very, and then kind of had like an unlucky game, you know, ironically also against Iowa. They were very close to like replicating that type of season. Um, but that Hope team was good. I'm not, you know, whatever. It's, we're, we're not saying it was a bad team. They just did get kind of lucky. Um, yeah, and getting into this, like, I want to be clear, like, we both think Minnesota was good last year. We're just here to put that goodness in context. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, so I guess, you know, we'll, we'll kind of segue into, you know, the part of this team that definitely was very good and, and probably projects to be very good again, I, w- I would say. Um, the Minnesota offense, and we'll kind of talk about them versus how they match up against the Michigan defense. Um, so let's start up front where everything, you know, uh, I'm not sure if you've caught on this yet, but uh, the game starts up front, Connor. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll start up front here. Uh, Minnesota loses a lot um, from their defensive uh, front last year. Um, I think both linebacker starters are new. And I think they, it was it Cochran, was it, that was like their big stud defensive end? Um you know, this was not a very good defense last year, uh, or sorry, not not very good. It was a it was a pretty it was a pretty good defense last year, twenty five in SP plus, which you know sounds good, but in, in reality, like if you're a power five team that's twenty fifth in an adjusted in an opponent adjusted metric, you're really kind of a, a pretty average deep like power five defense, um, and they lost a lot from it, and they haven't historically had um, great defenses under PJ Fleck, um, so they've got you know. One defensive end who's, you know, supposed to be their kind of freak pass rusher in Boye Mafe. Um, he flashed a little bit last year, but he's going to be a first-time starter. And then one, um, you know, pretty completely average uh, defensive end. And then two defensive tackles that are more or less pluggers against the run. Um, I would say nothing special. Um, you know, there's some upside with, um, let me look up the name real quick. Um, there's some, some upside with Keontae Shad. Um, who's who's pretty good last year, uh, but I would say like this is a, this is a nothing special defensive line. Um, so Connor, how would you say you know you, you feel like they match up against Michigan's offensive line? I mean, it's the first game with a lot of uh, you're replacing a very good offensive line. If you're Michigan, that's been said ad nauseum, especially by national media because they love to just look up returning starters. <laughs> but I mean, also like I have to say. Last year, and under Ed Warner generally, Michigan's offensive line has mashed unremarkable defensive lines. And I mean mashed, to the, po- to the point where Michigan's usually able to get whatever they want in the run game, even when Shea Patterson refuses to pull the ball. <laughs> um, and, and so I look at this defensive line, and, and I have to say, in order for me to believe that a Michigan team that is deceptively experienced, because you have guys like Chuck Filiaga and Vistardis and Stuber up the middle, all of whom have been in the program for years now. And two of whom, Filiaga and Stuber, are like, you know, good recruits who would have had a chance to start at Michigan if they weren't behind guys like Michael Onwenu, who is, you know, like the best the guard best in the NFL or something right now. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Shout out Michael Onwenu, big boy. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. Someone tweeted today he was the best six, the best Michigan player drafted in the sixth round by the Patriots ever. Ha <laughs> <Good> ha! <job. laughs> so, I get it. Um, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a Tom Brady joke. Um. <laughs> but I mean, here's here's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is like it, it. Look, is it possible that Michigan takes a big step down in the offensive line that, that especially shows up 
in their first game on the road? It's certainly possible. Do I think that an Ed Warner along with a lot of guys we've seen already and that I believe in as players is is likely to come in and mash a defensive line that looks no better than what you would get from like an Illinois or an Indiana? I mean, probably worse than Indiana. I mean, this is like, you know, this is this is where I want to make my key point here, guys. Okay, well, actually, I'll save this take till we get to linebackers, but I just... Linebackers is a better point to make it with, but yes, I... I agree with you. I think I what I would say is that there are a lot of new starters on both of these defensive lines or both of these lines, but I definitely trust Michigan's talent development and coaching and just like reputation at the position. I mean, even in 20 even in 2018, right, where where Michigan came out and had that basically debacle against Notre Dame where, you know, their John Runyon Jr., who ended up being a really good tackle, just could not block def- Notre Dame's defensive ends. Um, it wasn't a it wasn't an organization problem. That line was picking up stunts and was like you know moving people in the middle. Um, they just couldn't block the edges, and I don't think Michigan's going to have this have that problem with this line. I think they've got two very good pass blocking def- offensive tackles um, that should be able to handle Boye Mafe. Quite frankly, I think he's you know he's their he's their best chance for Minnesota's like breakout player, and I I don't see him, him making much hay against. Um, I don't see him making much hay against Jalen Mayfield or uh, Ryan Hayes. I think, you know, this is going to be a well-organized offensive line that it's it definitely going to have more biffs than last year, which was like, you know, last year's offensive line was incredible at picking up blitzes and just knowing, you know, th- their targeting was incredible. So it's not going to be quite on that level. But I think the key here is that, you know, and we'll talk about this a little bit, like if if Joe Milton, bare minimum, is just willing to pull on off, on zone reads and just, you know, pull in the uh, the quarterback run game, um, I think this is an offensive. This is a an offensive line that can make you know five plus yards per carry against this uh, Minnesota defensive front. Also, Michigan's um, running back room is full of guys who will just you know shoot right through an arm tackle, and who have even yep. <laughs> have even stiff armed you know Big Ten defensive ends into the turf in their careers. If you're if you're Hassan Haskins, so I mean you. Stopping Michigan in the run game if you don't have a uh, very, very good defensive line and very, very good linebackers is, I think, going to be a tall order this year. And I think that's that's where this, this game kind of starts for Minnesota and Michigan. It's just, can, can Minnesota stop Michigan from opening up gigantic holes in the run game immediately? I'm not convinced they can, frankly. We'd have to see it before I believe it. Yeah, I agree. And the last thing I'm going to say against Michigan's offensive line is that I believe, you know, you look at the stats last year and they didn't jump off the page in terms of their running game. Um, you know, but really, like, we both believe that that was largely a, um, a you know, Shea Patterson unwilling to pull the ball. We, we, we've, we've hit it on a, mil- a million times. Like, you can watch the film. Like, it, it, the, the extra run defender, you know, targeting the run game absolutely killed Michigan last year. Um, you know, that Shea Patterson wouldn't account for. Um, so, you know... I think what, what both Connor and I are saying is that this this Michigan offensive line is going to be worse than last year. We still think it's going to be good, and we and we think that the addition of like Joe Milton in the running game is going to actually make this running game better, even though the offensive line is not as good. Um, so you know, with that said, I think that's going to be the key. That's going to be the key matchup matchup that Michigan really needs to win. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, a matchup that I think is a, a lot more interesting, actually. Um, well, actually, you know what? Sorry. Let's talk about the Minnesota's linebackers first, because that's sort of part part and parcel of the uh, the run game success we hope to have. So Minnesota's linebackers are both very inexperienced. Well, 
one is very inexperienced, uh, my mistake. So um, the mic is uh, uh, Mario Sorin Mar Marin. I'm, you know, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, you know, pretty low-rated recruit who started some games last year. Um, I think he started the bowl game. Um, and he's, he's mediocre in, in the run game and um, bad in coverage. You know, if you're going to have, like, a low, like, two-star-ish recruit, you know, um, as your starting middle linebacker, you kind of want him to be, like, a, a bruiser in the run game, and he's really just not that. I think he's very exploitable. And then their will, um, they start two inside linebackers, is going to be either Donald Willis or um, James Gordon, both of whom are uh, just second-year players that have, like, not seen the field at all so far. And linebacker's really a position where you want to have guys stepping in that have seen the field. Like, you have to know what's coming at you. So I think these are both guys that, like, um, can really be put in the wrong gap a lot by uh, some of the games that Gaddis and Harbaugh like to play. Um, you know, I think I think this could look similar to the Notre Dame game from last year where you just had guys sort of running in the complete wrong direction and Michigan's offensive line, you know, does enough against the defensive front to, you know, open up chunk runs uh, here and there. Um, and from a hybrid, just real quick, from a hybrid perspective, instead of going kind of with a Viper, they tend to go with like a nickel um, way more than a Viper. So, you know, it, it, they do really play like more of just a nickel defense as their base. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess, what, what are your thoughts on that, Connor? I mean, you have this guy listed. It's like you don't know who the nickel's going to be, but it looks like it's going to be a two-star a two cornerback who can't cover anyone named Justice Harris. And I think that this is the overall take about this Minnesota defense that has been, like, I think irresponsibly ignored in preseason analysis, which is that, okay, Minnesota last year had a guy named Carter Coughlin who was this monster linebacker who was two-time second-team All-Big Ten who got after quarterbacks like crazy and was the kind of player that you just don't, consistently have at a place like Minnesota and he's gone um and Minnesota lost a bunch of good guys on their defense I think Coughlin and Winfield who we'll get to in the secondary are the two biggest losses but like those are guys who like you know radically outperformed their recruiting rankings became NFL players and are gone and and what's behind them a whole lot of nothing like we're talking about guys who could easily be playing for MAC teams right now who are totally unproven um and have glaring deficiencies. And I just got to say, like, the, the fact that this has been, like, people are picking Minnesota to be, like, a top, you know, like, a borderline top 10 team this year. I'm like, guys, like, they don't... I, I pulled this up today and I was gassed. Like, the 247 puts together uh, rankings of, you know, aggregate talent on rosters based on recruiting ratings in the big... in every conference in the entire country. And, you know, a Big Ten, Ohio State's obviously number one. Penn State has a slight edge on Michigan. Blah blah blah, and I'm I'm not aligned. You got to go to the very end to find Minnesota. They are 13th ranked in their talent aggregate right now in their full roster, based on you know recruiting rankings. And the fact that they were so good last year means they out you know they outperformed that ranking. They outperformed their talent, which is you know you're getting some serious wins there for the coaching staff in terms of evaluations and development, and good for them. But the only team they're ahead of in the Big Ten is Rutgers. They are significantly below teams like Illinois and Northwestern. Uh, I, there is like the point being like I am not at all being a homer when I say this is not like a next man up situation in their defense this is like just some dudes if you're lucky and if you're lucky these dudes are cohesive enough to uh, max out the limited talent they have and not get blown away by Michigan's run game like immediately and I, 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 I'm not like I'm overstating that I mean this is the kind of defensive front we see in in body bag games for Michigan in terms of talent at the very least. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, like, you know, and, and I don't like to just look at recruiting rankings, right? Like, I, like I, you know, you listeners to this podcast will know that, like, I went, you know, position by position through these teams. And, like, I think, you know, like, I, I found some things that surprised me, right? Like, you know, I, I, as a Michigan fan, I found some, like, some talent on Michigan State that I was like, oh, okay, like, this defensive front is as bad as I thought it might be. So, and I say that to say, like, Minnesota's defensive front, like, you look at their talent composite, you look at, like, how they've recruited, especially along the defensive line and at linebacker, and you look at, like, what's stepping up to fill the void there, and it is just not impressive. I, I got, like, even compared to, like, other teams, like, I mean, my God, even compared to, like, Rutgers has, like, some really good linebackers. Um, so I think Minnesota's defensive front could really be a problem this year, especially their, you know, their front seven, I think, could be um, very, very exploitable. Um, and I think that this is a matchup that, I mean, Michigan needs to win this matchup to win the game. Um, but I think they, I don't think it's crazy to say that I think they'll probably win this matchup pretty decisively. Um, if Michigan's offensive line and with the help from a pulling Joe Milton and their running back room can't mash these guys and break off, you know, pretty easy, significant runs, uh, like on first downs and stuff, that's a serious problem for Michigan. So like Michigan has to prove that against a group like this, I think. Yep, and I think they have to prove it because of, um, you know, kind of the relative strong point of this Minnesota defense is going to be the secondary. Um, you know, so I think I think kind of a mismatch in Minnesota's favor is uh, Minnesota's kind of like heady veteran corners. They've got, um, you know, Benjamin St. Juice, RIP, homie, we miss you. We, we really wish you were still on the roster. <laughs> <laughs> this could be us, but the Michigan doctors wouldn't text back. <laughs> oh, dude, I'm so, yo, l- let me see that Michigan doctor on the street. I will kill you with a gun, sir. <laughs> Parody satire. Um, whoever said your heart issue was too bad to come on this roster, I'm gonna fucking lose it, dog. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> um, but they're <laughs> they're both um, Benjamin St. Juice and uh, who's the second one? Um, I want to say it's like Core or something like that. What's his name? It starts with C. Coney Durr. Yeah, Durr. Yeah, sorry, Durr. Um, it are both like kind of, you know, senior cornerbacks who are like, you know, I would say athletically exploitable, but largely, um, like just solid, like heady veterans that like are going to pick a guy like Joe Milton off if he's, if he's staring down his receivers, you know, like Joe Milton's a first time, if Joe Milton's going to be a first time quarterback, Michigan's receivers outside of Ronnie Bell are going to be like largely, you know, kind of untested. I don't want Joe Milton fucking around with these cornerbacks too much, um, I would love to, you know, I think part of the game plan is, you know, we got to be able to keep ahead of the chains and get into, like, second and five or less so that Joe Milton doesn't have to, like, re- sit back and read a defense um, on passing downs. Um, you know, I, I would say that this is, I think Michigan's, I think given time, Michigan's receivers can get open against these guys, but I would not want to, like, rely on that as the crux of Michigan's offense. Yeah, I mean, it's just the simplest thing in the world. What you want to test and exploit about Minnesota is not their extremely good uh, cornerbacks who are you know going to be maybe some of the best in the Big Ten. And certainly, I think, likely to be a better group than Michigan's uh, cornerbacks this year by significant margin. So, yep. yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that the thing is you don't, I mean, you don't have to, right? So I think, like, because Michigan can afford to not do that, I, I feel... Like, hey, let's just maybe not this game. Like, let's let's get Joe Milton some easy reads and let's let's not fuck around with Benjamin St. Juice. Wheel um, route to Chris Evans. Wheel route to Chris <laughs> Evans. <laughs> yeah, these, you know, and that's what I, and I think that's what also I was gonna say in the passing game on passing downs. Like, 
the the exploitable part of this defense is the safeties, who I think, you know, they've got one solid safety and one guy that's going to be pretty much brand new, both of whom are going to just, like, are going to be out-athleted by Michigan's, you know, you know, meet, meet, fast slot receivers, um, and their uh, bad nickelback, who even, like, on fan blogs, they were saying, like, this guy probably shouldn't be starting. And if you're seeing that on a fan blog, that means that guy is bad. Yeah. And um, Any fan blog other than a Michigan fan blog, I want to add. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> any, any fan blog besides MGO blog in which, you know, they'd be, like, like, if this guy was starting for Michigan, you would see, like, you know, rending of garments, like, people burning houses down, like, this, this, their nickelback is very bad, and PFF bore that out, and they're worried about him. So, um, I think that's pretty much, you know, what, um, pretty much what, uh, you know, Michigan should be looking to exploit. Um, also, you know, linebackers in coverage, like Chris Evans on any of these linebackers in space is going to be a win. Um, yeah, or like Giles time. Jackson or AJ Hanning yeah. on these linebackers. I mean, good night. So, yeah, like, it's, it's going to be gone. So, I mean, yeah, I think just, like, the game plan here um, from, a, from a Michigan offense perspective, um, you know, the, like, stay away from these corners. Like, run the ball, you know, put these linebackers in the wrong gap, move these defensive linemen, all very, very doable. Um, exploit the safeties and the nickelback, um, you know, when you want to on passing downs. Um, and, you know, also, you know, I mean, uh, get, get – um, get Nick Eubanks and uh, Eric all working on these linebackers. They're both going to have an athletic advantage. Um, they're both going to be able to get down the field on these guys. Um, and, you know, like if, if you really have to get into a passing down, I, I would say the, uh, the, the idea should be, you know, try to like um, get sort of a, a timing route with, you know, your quick receivers on the outside against these like, veteran cornerbacks but you know just stay away from the cornerbacks as much as possible when you've got a team like minnesota where their defense looks like it's got basically one strength and a whole lot of weaknesses you don't have to go to that strength for you know to make your money so yeah and i think like establishing the threat of the deep ball will be really important here because i think that that it's going to be very early in this game when the safeties are going to start wanting to cheat down to help in the run game you know once michigan breaks off like eight yard to 12 yard run over runs over and over again um and I want them to have to think about whether Roman Wilson is just going to go streaking down the sideline on them. <laughs> so, right, yeah. Um, yeah, and, no. and that's easy to do, right? Like, you can do that. Like, hey, like, demonstrate early. Like, we can throw the – like, the ball does go far, and we do have <laughs> fast receivers. So, like, you have to at least, like, pretend like you're going to – you know, you have to keep your safeties at a, re- at a relatively, like, deep distance or else, like, we will do it, you know? Um, so, yeah, I think that's a good point as well. Um, so, I mean, overall, I think this is a winnable matchup for Michigan's offense. You know, the key is going to be like, hey, what decisions does Joe Milton make in the run game that keep us in, in short down distance? And, um, you know, how well can he execute uh, on, like, the short stuff that Michigan's probably going to try to, you know, take advantage of um, of Minnesota's, like, linebackers and safety play um, yeah. in the middle of the field. So I mean, the keys for me are this line needs to mash in the way that we've seen Ed Warner lines mash, you know, Anytime they have a talent advantage. And like you said, Joe Milton just needs to make good decisions. If he makes good decisions, um, I think they'll move the ball fairly easily here. Yep, absolutely. No, you cannot have late throws to the outside, um, you know, on these, yeah. on these cornerbacks. That's he needs to not sling. The, the guns need to not be slung in this game. When we get to later <laughs> games where Michigan is like matched or outdone in talent, we can, we can sling some guns, but not in this game. Absolutely. Yep. Um, you know, and I think that's, this is kind of a nice matchup, like, 
this is a good matchup to like get him going and like you know like sort of introduce him slowly into the game with with a lot of support. Um, so moving on to the other side of the ball here, the uh, Minnesota offense versus the Michigan defense. Um, you know, I think this is where uh, you know where the worry is if you're a, um, a Michigan fan. Um, so let's start up front here. Um, I think also, uh, sorry, real quick before we start, I would say two things that have kind of changed about the Michigan defense since we did our defensive preview. I would say um, I think we've got a little bit more worried about both of the problem spots, both at defensive tackle and cornerback, um, since we last recorded. Um, w- would you say that that's fair, Connor? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if by the time we recorded our preview, if Faustin had been moved over to corner yet, but... No, um, he hadn't, yeah. Yeah, and Sammy Faustin, like, you know, I, I was actually cool with him being hyped as a safety because... Like you don't need to be a superior athlete at safety. He has some size, and if he had, if he figured out the defense and was just going to be playing center field, and all he had to do was make decent decisions, um, that would have been okay for me. His recruiting profile is that of a guy who does not have elite speed, and the fact that he's being moved over to a cornerback room where you do, in theory, have some guys that have speed and are apparently just not popping, uh, and that Michigan does not know who their CB two or their CB three slash nickel is going to be at all apparently i mean that these this is bad news there's no way to spin it really yep i agree and i mean like i think like a general um you know a general thing you can say is like the more shit you throw at the wall the worse a position group probably the worse a coaching staff probably feels about a position group um so you know moving faust into corner means like hey uh, let's try to find somebody here we've also heard that now like you know, Dax playing corner is back on the table, which really like they're like that. That's that feels like their break class in case of emergency option is, is moving Dax to corner and just like have him having him mirror um, Rashad Bateman across the field. Um, yeah, I was gonna so, say I'm gonna revive that take. I think there's a really good chance, honestly, that Dax just follows Bateman around a lot this game. Yeah. Yep, I agree. Um, so. You know, I would say overall, like, you know, we, we're, we're more worried about this Michigan defense than we were when we started. Um, and especially because, well, you know, let's talk about the offensive line versus the defensive line here. Um, so, you know, Minnesota last year, they've got a big offensive line. Um, they really only run, like, outside zone and inside zone because that's what works with their RPO system. They run it very effectively, and they know, you know, they, they know that how their targets is a veteran offensive line with all five guys coming back. Um, I would say, you know, they weren't a great run-blocking offensive line. I would say, like, it, they, they really did kind of run to set up the pass in an RPO sort of way. Um, they didn't run the, the ball great against the better teams that they played. Um, and also, you know, we're hearing that potentially their best player, Daniel Falele, um, the, their 400-pound right tackle, is potentially just opting out for the season. Um uh, I think uh, Fleck gave like a very like you know ominous no comment um, on his uh, you know during his press conference. Um, yeah. and I would say if, if PJ Fleck or if, if Jim Harbaugh gave the kind of press conference that PJ Fleck was giving, there would be like uh, you know MGO board members like setting off car bombs because <laughs> it's like it was like uh, we have a yeah. bunch of guys with COVID. We're not going to say how many, and some of our best players might be out. No further questions. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's something also, I mean, it seems like Minnesota's got a legitimate COVID outbreak, and Michigan doesn't, in which case, like, 
we, we have no I've been I was checking all the Minnesota boards trying to just like find some rumors about who it might be the, there's no the only rumors that are here right now are just that Daniel Falele might be opting out totally and then Curtis Dunlap who's another interior starter for this offensive line maybe um like kind of out like it's weird he went into the transfer portal and came back and the coaches didn't like it so they're kind of punishing him but I have to imagine if they need him he'll play so who knows about that but I think either way like whether it be COVID or opt-outs or whatever, this offensive line is going to get shaken up a little bit. I think that's safe to say. Um, so, you know, the big key in this game, like, I think this wasn't, by the way, this also wasn't a great pass protecting line. Like they, they sort of, um, they just, they had a pretty bad sack rate. So Michigan should be able to, you know, pass rush against this offensive line. I think the big question is, you know, can they consistently stop inside zone and uh, outside zone in their interior with their defensive tackles. Um, Connor, your thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a good chance that Michigan's pass rush, especially when they're able to, you know, um, sell out to, to pass rush on like long on long third downs, obvious passing downs, will will get after Morgan. I mean, they're getting after Morgan anyway because like. Only like once in the entire four-year reign of Don Brown thus far had they not gotten after the quarterback. Of course, it was an Ohio State quarterback, but you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> like they're going to be chasing Tanner Morgan around the backfield a lot, kind of no matter what. I think the big question mark here is just can a like passable run-blocking line that Minnesota may have um, can they move Michigan's defensive tackles? Because we've seen Michigan's defensive tackles last year get moved by some. By good offensive lines, certainly by good offensive lines that are pro- that were a lot better than this one's probably going to be. Um, I, I, I don't know. This is there's a lot of question marks here because we don't know who Minnesota's trotting out, and we just really don't know what we're going to have with Michigan. I think the best case scenario with Michigan is that their DT rotation is serviceable enough that their excellent defensive ends get to eat, and that when they have the ability to sell out to, to rush the passer, that Morgan is just like you know running running in terror from pass rushers, uh, which you know will happen a few times in the, in the game. Um, the extent to which it's happening probably determines a lot of how this is going to go. Yep. You know, I agree. It's, it, it depends on whether like, Hey, is this, is, is the, are the runs on first down going to be three or four yard runs? Or are they going to be six or seven yard runs? Right. Because yeah. if they're six and seven yard runs, Minnesota's going to get in their RPO game and they're going to be able to, you know, neutralize Michigan's pass rush. Cause it's a standard down and they're going to, and Rashad Bateman's going to get open. That's just the facts. And Rashad Bateman and probably their other wide receiver who, I don't know. It's, it's like Curtis Bell or something. Um, uh, Chris Altman Bell are both going to get open against the secondary, which we will talk about. But yeah, I mean, it's it's gotta be Michigan's gotta be able to hold hold up man for man in the interior against this. You know, I would say like above average to good Minnesota offensive line um, that you know maybe is missing a couple pieces. Um, it's kind of I would say this is sort of like an early midterm for Michigan's interior. Yeah, and I think the key point here, we did some research earlier. Um, Wisconsin only got uh, beaten down once last season, and that was a very disappointing loss to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's offensive Min- numbers Minnesota in that game— Minnesota only got beaten down once. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Minnesota only got beaten down once. Did I say Wisconsin? Either way. Yes. Um, <laughs> Minnesota only got beaten down once. It was by Wisconsin. It was a big disappointment. It was 38-17. to 17. Uh, Last game of the season, rivalry game, blah, blah, blah. I looked it up, and actually Wisconsin's offensive numbers are not what you'd expect. Like, they didn't actually run all over these guys— they ran for 173 yards, which is like good, but I, you know, I thought that that game might have been like 300 yards of Wisconsin rushing. Um, 
and the passing also wasn't gaudy, but it was 12.7 yards in attempt, which is, you know, sterling on 22 pass attempts. That's the most Wisconsin thing ever. Is that like, um, but I guess the key point I want to make here is that Wisconsin's offensive performance was uber efficient and like they converted a couple fourth downs and it's just like they turned in an excellent, but not like by no means putting up a jillion yards of offense kind of performance on defense though. What they did was stuff Minnesota's run. Uh, Minnesota only got, um, you know, only got 2.0, I think yards per rush attempt. Uh, and that I think kind of says it all. And I don't expect Michigan to hold them to that because I think Wisconsin's interior line last year was a lot better than I am expecting Michigan to be even in one of the better case scenarios this year. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's like, it's like what Dan said. Um, those early downs running and early, especially early in the game, what Minnesota is able to establish in the run game is going to be all important here because we know that Minnesota's pass game is good, especially when they can conceal it. So. Yep. I, I totally agree. Like you have to stop the, stop, it's sort of like a stop the run to stop the pass situation. Um, and so, you know, moving on here a little bit to uh, the, the part of the part of the defense that Minnesota's uh, RPO heavy offense um, really attacks is uh, linebacker. Um, so I think like the biggest matchup here is going to be like, can Michigan's linebackers do enough to, you know, stay back against the pass and then still make up for it in the run game so that you can like force more gives on and, you know, force more gives on the RPO game. Um, there's not going to be a whole lot to worry about in terms of like running backs coming out of the backfield. Um, there's not going to be a whole lot to worry about in terms of like tight ends. Minnesota's tight ends and running backs barely catch the ball. So it's really like the linebackers are going to have to contend with the RPO game. Yeah, I mean, and the good news there is we know what we have with Michigan's linebackers. They're fast and they're experienced, and I expect good things out of them in this game and really in every game. Um, you know, I feel okay about that. They're going to be put in some tough situations against these receivers, I think. But, um, you know, in general, that's going to be a strength of this team. So I feel okay about that. It'll be interesting to see what, um, you know, Minnesota's whole offense is based around, you know, not necessarily beat, beating linebackers, but taking it, taking a couple of them out of the play with, you know, with like pass concerns. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how Michigan chooses to utilize a weapon like um, Cam McGrone, who, like I said, is, is probably fast enough to, give the, um, you know, stay back enough so that he, it looks like he's, he's worried about the pass and then still like rally to the run. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. I, I think it's, as far as like them versus uh, uh, Muhammad Ibrahim, I think is, is, is the running back's name. I'm not particularly impressed by Ibrahim. I think he's, I like, I'm, I think he's like a good running back in that, like it's, it's, he's sort of that replacement level big 10 running back. Um, so I think that they should be able to like handle him. Um, I think it's just it's going to be interesting to see how Michigan chooses to play their linebackers. Um, so then moving on to kind of like the the most worrying section here, um, the Minnesota passing game. You know Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman and Chris Altman Bell versus Michigan secondary. Um, so we've got you know Rashad Bateman is is a great wide receiver. Tanner Morgan is a a, a quarterback who. Is just very very accurate and like knows where to go with the football and runs this offense perfectly. Um, and Chris Outman Bell is like like a, a pretty good recruit who um, you know like PJ Flex known for his wide receiver recruiting. Um, he was pretty good last year in like his limited uh, you know 
slot snaps. Um, and I think he'll be, honestly, like, I think he'll also be a mismatch for Michigan's second corner, who, you know, as we've talked about, is going to be a problem spot. Um, so what are your thoughts here, Connor? <laughs> well, my first thought is I can't believe we're still saying corner to be named later on Wednesday before the season opener. That sucks. <laughs> uh, yes. Um, uh, I guess I hope it's Jamon Green because Jamon Green at least has size and is reputed to have good speed. Or I would also be happy with CJ Turner, who's supposed to have great speed, and I don't know what the hell happened to him. Has he had COVID for a month or something? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, that's my rant. But, okay. So Bateman, we know, is, a, is like a likely first-round NFL draft pick. Dude rocks. Uh, he's a dude who rocks. Um, as you noted, he's not necessarily a blazer, at least you know by NFL standards, but he's an, an impeccable route runner with great hands, good size. Um, and he's going to tear it up against Michigan. I, I think keeping him below 100 receiving yards is unlikely. I expect a day where he gets over 100 receiving yards and a couple touchdowns, uh, kind of no matter what. Uh, it's, it's mostly just a matter of how much do you make Minnesota work to get there. Um, I, I don't know that I have a ton to say other than, you know, if, if Don Brown is going to start playing more and better uh, and more interesting zone, uh, and if he's got Bob Shoup and Brian Jean Mary to help him do that, this is going to have to start now because this is honestly the second best passing attack on paper anyway, other than Ohio State that Michigan's going to face. And it's happening immediately, which sucks. Um, we're going to, I feel like that my, my overarching take here is like because Michigan doesn't have stud cornerbacks. They do have very good safeties. And, you know, we might see Dax Hill falling Bateman around the field, which wouldn't be the worst thing. I mean, it would be kind of embarrassing, but, like, if that's what it takes, fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I feel like we just desperately have got to see something in the zone game. It needs to not be this, like, grudging, like, yeah, look, I put some zone on film for you, for you fuckers on the internet. <laughs> Shut up. It needs to be like, okay, Michigan can actually play zone in a similar mold to, like, what Wisconsin does, for instance, where, like, you admit you don't have the dudes – and you just try to keep stuff in front of you and play smart. That's what I need to see from Michigan, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's inevitable that, like, I mean, you know, I'll kind of get into, like, my keys to the game here. Um, it's inevitable that, like, if if these guys are allowed to click, if they are given protection, if, if they get into, like, you know, their perfect RPO situations, like, Rashad Bateman and Chris Altman-Bell and Tanner Morgan are, I mean, like, I'm, I gotta say, like, they're probably gonna be able to pick apart this secondary. And that's nothing against Brad Hawkins or um, Dax Hill, who I think will do their jobs admirably. But, like, you have to play two corners. And I don't think that, you know, Vincent Gray we both like, but Vincent Gray is not a match for Rashad Bateman. And whoever, you know, again, like you said, cornerback to be named later, is not going to be a match for Chris Altman-Bell. Like, and Tanner Morgan is, is not the type of cornerback that's, like, very likely to, you know, just sort of fuck it up enough that it's okay. Like, they're going to... Um, they're going to make hay against this against this Michigan secondary. And, um, you know, I think, you know, segueing into the game plan here, number one, if Michigan can do enough work with their defensive line, I think they should try to force as many gives in this RPO game as possible. That is the one advantage you have here. You do kind of, with Minnesota's offense on standard downs, you get to decide if you want them to run or pass based on how you react to the RPO. And I think Michigan should let them let them run. Like, let's let's see if let's see if we can, you know, um, let's see if we can hold up against, uh, you know, this, this offensive line. Cause I like that matchup. Even if I don't love that matchup, I like that matchup a hell of a lot better than the secondary versus, uh, these corners. Um, and I will say real quick, like kind of breaking news here, um, seems to be, seems to be that, um, Minnesota may be lo- maybe missing both starting tackles, um, you know, kind of confirmed on their 24 seven board. 
uh, just now on Twitter. Um, so I, I mean, that's okay. That's like code red. Like if you don't have your starting tackles against, and you already don't have a great like depth chart and you're up against Quiddy paid Aiden Hutchinson, that significantly changes some of the things we're talking about here. They're going to be all yeah. over Morgan. In this Which is game, why I brought I it up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a really, that's huge here just because like Michigan has guys who put up numbers in pass rush, despite having to essentially play one and a half positions each because there were no defensive tackles. <laughs> and if they are freed at all by any kind of defensive tackle presence, um, and they're facing like whoever is second on the Minnesota offensive line depth chart, I, I feel comfortable predicting those guys are going to feast in this game. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that changes things a lot. Like, Michigan should Michigan should um, absolutely, like, let Quiddy and let Aiden and, you know, see what you can get from – and honestly, let um, – you know, I mean, if, if you're down two starters, honestly, Carlo Kemp's going to be a plus against this, this offensive line. So let these guys handle it up front um, against this inside zone and outside zone game. And uh, you know, keep your keep your linebackers out to like ward against the RPO, and let's see how many times we can get them to run the ball, and just like, li- and then you know, if you let's get to third and eight, let's get to third and twelve or third and seven, and um, and let's rush these bad tackles because you know um, that that's got to be the game plan. Um, it's not going to be perfect. This is not going to be the type of offense. Still, I would say that um, Michigan can just lock down for like you know, LOL yards. Um, like they do to some bad offenses. But I would say, like, this should be the kind of thing where, like, Tanner... you got to make Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman the only offense that they have. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, what you just told me about starting tackles being out, from a Michigan point of view, is uh, the best news other than, you know, hearing that, like, uh, 2006, Leon Hall is going to suit up for Michigan. <laughs> like, so, Which I don't remember, but I'm and sure I, that was I don't, I don't want to revel too much because it's bad. It's bad. Yeah, bad I mean, look. obviously, like, like, yeah. Well, it sounds like at least Daniel Falele is opting out, so I mean, like, good for him. Um, but I mean, obviously, like, any look, it goes without saying, anyone that you know has is out for COVID. Like, I don't want. I would rather they be playing at full strength. Like, that'd be a more fun game. But we're talking about we're, we're previewing the game that will happen. So you know, it is it is what it is. Like that's that seems like what's going on. Um, so I think that radically changes the game plan. You got to let your defensive line hold up. And then just hide these cornerbacks as much as possible. Um, so, and then also you just have to actually ta- uh, like sack Tanner Morgan because he is the type of quarterback that is sort of unflappable. Like he's just a veteran. So like you're not gonna like rattle him. You just have to tackle him. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a key thing. I mean, there are like there are really great quarterbacks like Cough, <laughs> Justin Fields, Cough, uh, who can be rattled by pressure, but. Uh, Morgan, sadly, is not one of them, um, which is good for him because he's going to be facing a lot of it on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, it, I would say, like, honestly, at this point, like, if Minnesota is able to win this game, it's going to be like a, t- it's going to be like a Tanner Morgan, like Rashad Bateman, like hero show. Um, so, um, I think, you know, that, that changes things significantly in Michigan's favor. Um, quick special teams rundown because, you know, that's what we do here go incredibly in depth. And PFF does have breakdowns of, uh, of special teams. Um, so I didn't realize, uh, like just real quick, I didn't realize how good Quinn Nordin was last year. He was like, like very, like he missed two extra points, you know, which is just going to happen. Like it's college kickers, but like he can hit, he's hit multiple 50 plus yarders and like, that's a weapon in college. Um, and then, you know, they've also still got Jake Moody. Who's like, you know, they're, they're more reliable, like short, short, you know, field goal guy. 
Um, I expect Michigan to convert on field goals. You know, they have good field goal kickers, but that said, you know, they are college kickers. Um, Michigan does, you know, continue to do this um, annoying, like more, more old-fashioned punt block or you know p- punting team that gives up way too many yards on returns because you know they are permanently scarred by um, the uh, 2015 Michigan State game. Um, so you know that will I, I think you know they're con- they're going to continue to give up annoying yardage on punts. Um, and Minnesota doesn't have uh, great returners or necessarily. Um, great uh great punters or um a great field goal kicker they only attempted 14 field goals last year and the long all year was 40 so i do kind of think michigan has a a pretty good advantage as far as um special teams go in this game yeah and i mean given that like that's another good point because minnesota doesn't have great kicking game i mean from minnesota with their offensive line being depleted it really is going to be big player bust and to be fair, I mean, we've seen Michigan's defense under Don Brown. One of the problems has been elite skill players breaking off big plays, uh, like KJ Hamler, or you know, yep. eighteen Absolutely. different guys for Ohio State. But <laughs> right, yeah, um, I mean, this is like this is a game where like Don Brown should swallow his pride and just like like if I could just shake and be like Don, play zone, like let's let our boys work up front, like do not let Minnesota score like three long touchdowns with with Rashad Bateman. You know what I mean? Like, let's yeah. let him go for 20 yards and live to see another down, and then let's see if they're willing to kick the field goal. You know what I mean? Like, that's got to be the game plan. And, the, yeah. you know, I, I, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous that I think Don Brown's going to maybe just try to go press anyway. I mean, I just, this game, my hot take, I guess, is this is low-key a pretty major test of, like, the longer-term viability of Don Brown. Some fans are already down on him because of the Ohio State whippings. I have my own takes about that. But, like... You know, he brought in some serious zone guys who have both been coordinators um, this year. Like, it looks as if they're trying to modernize what they're doing in the secondary. And it looks as if Don Brown is adjusting. I got to see it. Um, I got to see Michigan do it. I've got to see them show that they can play with a secondary more. Like, I'm going to keep saying this all year long. Like Wisconsin, that does not have the talent that keeps everything in front of them and makes good decisions. Uh, I've got to see Michigan do that because it's only going to matter, you know, a few games a year. Those are the games that Michigan has to win. And this is a, a good test of that in a situation where not everything you're seeing is a great white shark like it will be for Ohio State. Because if many aspects of Minnesota's team are, um, you know, nice tiny little uh, <clears throat> codfish rather than great white sharks. But <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so. I mean, I would say like, you know, I'd say this is kind of, well, I guess let's get into projections. So, you know, uh, our predictions. Um, from a Vegas perspective, uh, this started off it's kind of hard to tell where it started off because some books opened with Minnesota um, minus two, um, and uh, some books opened Minnesota minus two, um, and some didn't open until later. And the ones that opened later opened Michigan minus like three. But it seems like all lines have dove to Michigan minus three. Um, there's a lot of hay made every year about um, how uh, how like Michigan betters, uh, Michigan fans move the line. For Michigan, I don't really think that's true. Like, I, I've talked to friends that are like big on gambling, and they say that like the biggest thing that moves lines is, sh- is like the gambling sharks who like actually know what they're doing and bet like fifty thousand dollars on games like for a living. Well, so, those, the I reason mean, the line moved is because somebody got leaks from this Minnesota program about who's going to be out. We're, pro- we're we, there's a very good chance we're going to hear about more guys being out for them because PJ Flex press conference was somber. So yeah. that's what moved. Yeah, the it line. was. It should be noted. 
PJ Fleck, like, even just in general, just seemed like he wouldn't say how many people were out. He was saying, like, you know, he said, like, not our entire team's out, which is, you know, pretty funny. <laughs> and then um, seemed like he, when asked about, like, if he liked what he saw from his, from his team, he said, like, we've got a long way to go. Which is like, I mean, I know it can be coach talk sometimes, but feels like a little bit of a weird thing to say. Um, it, I think that's a guy getting ready to take an L, honestly. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we could totally be wrong. Like, I'm sure we'll we'll get you know, we'll uh, we'll we'll have to eat our shoe and on the recap pod. On I do want to say this about um, gambling, also. Like, anybody who thinks Michigan fans are overly optimistic, I mean, come on. Like, I you could yeah. you could convince me that like you know. Uh, Auburn fans are moving better betting lines by being homers, but like you guys got to talk to more Michigan fans. Be real here, right? And I don't even know like how many people bet on their own team. I never, I don't know, whatever. I'm not. I mean, a you're gambler, a fool so if you I do. Don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a gambler, so I don't. I don't like. I. It's just not my thing. Anyway, but like I think like all signs point to like, hey, things are trending heavily. Like there's something wrong in the Minnesota locker room, like COVID wise, not like you know. Um, it seems like there this there could be some major like um, surprises in terms of who's starting. And as we've discussed, like basically any starter Minnesota loses is going to be a big time hit for depth because they just don't have the team wide talent um, that that you know to really fill guys in. Um, so uh, Connor, um, you know, God, we've really talked ourselves into like a Michigan blowout here. But uh, what is what's your projection for this game? What do you think? What do you think happens? I think a lot of wild things are going to happen. I expect at least one just like terrifyingly awful pick from Joe Milton that will get Twitter going insane. Like I'm just, I'm thinking Joe Milton is just going to stare at Benjamin Sanjust for like 15 seconds and then throw it into his chest <laughs> or something like terribly awful like that. Uh, I'm projecting that you will see some explosive plays from Rashad Bateman that will also see things thrown at television and tweets fired off. Um, but I also think at the end of the day, like, I just don't see Minnesota stop. It'll be a huge upset if Minnesota can stop the run for Michigan. Because Michigan not only has a mashing offensive line, most likely, again, they also have a quarterback who can contribute in the run game, and they have an excellent running back room that, with Prophet Brown out, is probably pretty comfortably the most talented in the Big Ten right now. Um, yeah. And that is has, is also very physical. And it features Ben Mason, I might add, uh, who's like, Ben Mason very well might like kill one of these Minnesota linebackers. <laughs> like, yeah. um, so it, I, I guess my, my pick here is I expect a wild game with weird shifts of momentum, but I think ultimately it's going to be uh, pretty close to a, like a low double digit Michigan win. I don't want to predict point totals because it could go anywhere. That's all over the board. Cause I just don't, there's too many variables on how explosive Michigan's going to be. And I don't know. I would say something like 42 to, or maybe like 35 to 21, 35 to 25, kind of in that range maybe for Michigan. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of think, like the more I look at this, like I, in the season preview, I was totally like, Hey, you know, I think Minnesota's just a tough matchup. This is totally like, this is a very losable game. And I still think it is like, Rashad Bateman and Tanner Morgan could just straight up win this game for Minnesota and we could look like idiots. Um, I kind of almost, like, I'm looking at it more and more. Like, I feel like Minnesota's going to regress this year. Like, I just don't think they have the same talent they had last year. Um, And I think, like, this could sort of end up being one of those games that Michigan, like, we've seen Michigan before come out in these big games and 
you know, people don't want to admit this, but we've seen Michigan like dominate lesser talented teams. Um, in 2018, they did it to basically, you know, every like, like a decent, you know, all, all the middle of the schedule teams in 2015, we saw them do this to BYU and do it to Northwestern, both of whom were like considered like pretty good ranked teams at the time. They just completely out talented. Um, you know, we, we saw them do it to, uh, I mean, you know, we, we've seen it, we saw them do it a lot in 2016, but anyway, you get the point. Like we've seen Michigan go and like kind of put a whoop ass on like less talented teams. And I kind of think they could do that. Um, so I'll say, yeah, I'll say Michigan wins 30, like 38 to maybe like 38 to 20. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think Michigan like ends up kind of pulling away in this one. Um, just, just with everything, like Minnesota's roster deficiencies, um, and the fact that it seems like they're potentially like missing a lot of guys. Yeah. I think that the chaos will probably come in the first half and that you get Joe Milton back in the locker room, calm him down, simplify things for him. And then I just think this, this Minnesota front seven is going to be gassed, man. I mean, they're going to be getting hit in the mouth over and over again by a team that is just a lot more talented than them. And I don't know what they're going to do about it. So yeah, and, and, you know, we say, like, again, like I've said, I looked at every roster in depth that for our season preview, um, and, you know, we say, like, Michigan's more, it's easy to say Michigan's more talented, right? Because, like, Michigan's more talented than pretty much any team in the Big Ten besides Penn State or Ohio State. But, like, there are teams that, you know, like like Indiana or like Wisconsin or whatever, like, they it, you go through and it's like, okay, yeah, they've got, like, good answers for all these all of these questions, I don't think Minnesota does. I think Michigan is more talented, like, and will be noticeably more talented than Minnesota. Um, the question is whether or not, you know, they can limit Tanner Morgan and Rashad Bateman. I think that's kind of the only question there. Um, so, you know, I'm feeling, like, worryingly confident about this. I do agree with Connor that, you know, we're going to see some, like, you know, whether it's disorganization on the offensive line or, or, or you know, definitely we're going to see Joe Milton do something stupid. Um and, uh, you know, you're probably going to see maybe a, a bust or two, you know, by our by these corners. Um, but, like, given all that, like, I think you're going to see more mistakes by Minnesota. Um, you know, they're going to they're gonna be disorganized, um, given that they're going to be replacing starters, and they're going to be, um, you know, very inexperienced in their front seven. So. I think that what will happen is we'll go into the locker room with these teams in a game. It'll be like 17 to 14 Michigan or something. And the takes will be flying on Twitter about Harbaugh or whatever. But it will also be because, you know, like there was like a 90-yard <laughs> uh, throw to Bateman where you got 40 yards after the catch because the secretary just blew apart. And, and like the, because Milton threw a pick six or something. And we'll be very worried. But they come out of the tunnel, it's going to be like, oh, wait. Uh, they just like knocked over those linebackers and ripped off a nine-yard run on first down. And there was like no answer for it. And that's, that's kind of how I feel this is going to go. So Yeah, I agree. I think it's... I think it's one of those where it's like Michigan kind of looks like they're outplaying but making mistakes in the first half, keeps it close, and then just slowly sort of pulls away, like sort of like your classic Indiana game. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. They, they sort of just pull away, and by the end of the game, it's like, oh, wow, they really blew them out. Um, so I think we're both picking Michigan to win more just based on like how things are trending than anything. I think I think like if, if, if things had stayed pat based on the way we saw them in our season preview – we probably would be, you know, more of a 50-50 toss-up. But, like, I think it's hard not to say, like, the, the, the news coming out is giving Michigan the edge. And I don't think we're, I don't think we're crazy to um, project a win here. 